police in the morning. Welcome, B-Movie fans, to this week's episode of B-Movie Chat. This week we will be discussing what kind of content is too offensive to show on television and film. It seems like everyone has their own opinion on what is considered offensive and what should be censored or restricted. While some content may be inappropriate for particular age groups, the concept of certain content being too offensive for any audience is a completely different case to make. Is there certain imagery or perhaps opinions that should be restricted from being shown in a film? Joining us for this chat is filmmaker Jason Delgado. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Definitely. Thanks for joining. So, basically, it seems like everywhere I go, somebody's talking about, like, you know, this can't go on, like, you know, people shouldn't have these opinions, and which, I guess, saying people shouldn't have opinions, that's an opinion in itself, but... It seems like no one can decide on what's acceptable and what's not. So, what do you guys think about like the whole situation? Well, first, I mean there there is the rating system, um, which really it, it has a lot of flaws in and of itself. Um, be, first off, you you look at TV ratings and you look at movie ratings, and you look at video game ratings, and everything is different. There's no standard, you know, rating among them. You've got E, E10, T, M, A, O. You've got, you know, TVY, TVY7, TVG, PG, 14, MA. And then, you know, the MPAA has their own, you know, G, PG, PG13, R. And there are some movies out there that have the same content as, you know, other movies, but yet their ratings are different. You know, they might receive an R or a PG-13 um, based on what studio is releasing them even or who the filmmaker is. Um, if the, the rating board or the members rating it, you know, think differently. Um, there's not, like, one true standard for how to rate the stuff. And I think that uh, leads into censorship in a bit, in a way. Absolutely, uh, I would I would agree 100%. Uh, you know, it, it's I think it's important to realize where content is headed in, in 2017 and beyond. You know, I think with social media and the the art being created from all different variables from all over the world, and and content being provided to you through so many different digital platforms, it, it's. You know, the people are going to decide uh, what is and isn't too much for television or film. And, and, and I think, you know, if we're, if we're talking about being an adult versus children's ratings and, and, and what should children watch and, 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 and what is good for adults, I think that decision has to be based on the individual, obviously. And I think that there should be zero censorship. Zero censorship because when you do that, you censor art, and and it might be in bad taste, it, it might be too violent, it might be disgusting to some or grotesque, but it is art, and and I and I think it's important for us to be able to watch these things that are uh, over the top and that are violent and and that are grotesque because the world is grotesque. And, and if we close ourselves off from the reality of the world, 
then I don't think that we're doing ourselves a good service on, on being able to survive in, in real life. I, At least that, that's my opinion. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, plus, the whole thing is if people find certain things offensive, they can just turn it off. Like, I, I've never seen a situation where they're like, you have to watch this, Like, at least in the United States. Uh, I Yeah, if you don't like something, just don't watch it, basically. And that's where, you yeah. know, like you said, it's, it's based on the individual. And that, that really comes to me as an educator. You know, they say things like child uh, age-appropriate age or um, developmentally appropriate practice. Um, and they, like, loop it in with an age range. And, you know, I've, I've definitely dealt with children and young adults that, you know, they don't fit anywhere in that category either. You know, they're way above or way below. And that's why I say, you know, you can't just label something as, as an age-appropriate you know, you, you have to look at the individual, and, you know, as far as, like, ratings go for, for movies and shit, you know, you talk about, oh, R, it's, it's restricted, it's 17 and above. Well, why? I mean, I know, like, myself, you know, I started watching that stuff when I was, like, 13 or 14. I was more mature for my age, and I can understand them wanting to put some kind of restriction on it, but at the same time, you know, I could I could go and buy. Um, I'm trying to think of an unrated movie uh, before I was 17. Um, I, I could try and buy like an, a movie that was unrated. Uh, let's say like Freddy vs. Jason, the unrated cut. Um, and they'd try. To, they'd be like, "Oh, can we see your ID?" Like, well, why? It's it's unrated. There's no rating on it. They're like, well, you know, it's it, it's we have to see your ID, and I'm like, well, that's bullshit. And um, but I could walk over and pick up Barbie's Dreamhouse Vacation, which is a different unrated movie, and no carding, no nothing. Well, why the fuck are you carding me for that movie and not this movie? They're both unrated. It, it's it's almost as if the person that's selling the film. Uh, the actual merchandise is being the decision maker because of exactly what you guys mentioned before. There is not a rating system that is an average all around on all the different subjects. Like you said, there's a different rating system for video games. There's a different rating system for CDs. There's a different rating system for, for movies. And, and, and I think it's important to try and establish one rating system universal for all uh, you know, content, period. Because it's all content, it's all art. And it's subjective. Well, and the, the other thing that, about that is, you know, you look at rating systems for, for the U.S. as opposed to other countries. Um, ju just thinking in particular, like, a lot of anime. You know, I, I look at anime DVDs that I have, and it's, a, you know, suggested, you know, 13 and up. And there's extreme violence, there's, you know, frontal nudity, there's all kinds of stuff that, you know, in, in our country here in the US it's like oh no that that's a, that's a big no no can't can't show tatas to anyone before they're of legal age of consent or whatever and you know that's that's a social norm in in most other cultures just not ours and it's it's something that is so frowned upon here and censored so much um, that it actually becomes a big deal and i think that's a lot of you know when something becomes controversial is especially when you're talking about censorship and ratings, is when you try to censor it so much, then people you know, either get curious or they want it more. It's, it's like prohibition. The, the most crime-ridden time 
in America where the majority of the population were technically criminals. Why? Drinking alcohol was outlawed. It was illegal. So, you know, people that didn't drink before prohibition actually started drinking. There, there's actually statistics out there that show more people drank during prohibition than before prohibition and after prohibition. You know, when, when well, that you, goes to show you, you know, pe pe people made the decision. Not the government, not the politics, not the laws. The people made the decision. And I think when it comes to content, pe the people are always going to be the ones making the decision. And I think it's important for artists, all artists in general, to push the boundaries. You know, to, to, to make people feel uncomfortable and, and to pass the, the normal uh, wall of uh, acceptance in, in society for what is and isn't right. Because I, I, I think it's important for us to realize that we're, we're not a sheltered society. We're not a sheltered community. Like you said, there's all these different communities and countries all over the world that don't feel that bashful about uh, nudity and, and realize that it's a, a normal thing between uh, uh, human beings um, to, to, to not have any clothing on. And, and, and like you said, you know, it's just important for us to be able to open up the possibility and, and the variety and, and, and not close ourselves off and, off and, and be close-minded to everybody else's point of view. Exactly, and I think what a lot of it does when people try to really censor what everyone says is it shuts down discussion. Like, somebody could be completely wrong and, like, batshit crazy or just, you know, kind of a jerk, but, you know, you don't really do anybody any help by just saying, you can't say this, we're shutting you down. Like, it that should open up discussion. If you don't like what they're saying, well, why? You know, back up your points. And I think that we've kind of lost some of that in a lot of ways. Like, we don't... You, you see it online, like people arguing back and forth, like especially in the comment sections on videos. But it's it's um, there's a lot of people where it's like, well, we can't have this discussion. Well, why? Like exactly, like you've like um, what con what content is unacceptable to even talk about? Like it seems like it's a weird concept to say, like, well, this is this is this isn't for discussion. I just think it's a very strange kind of way of looking at things. Well, let, 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 me, let me tell you a quick story. Now, I'm not going to mention any names, but recently I had a conversation with a, a very well-known movie reviewer, especially in my genre and you know, pr pretty much our genre, the B-movie genre, the horror genre specifically, who, who stated, because of my uh, social media persona and, and always being so controversial, this person admitted that he would not be watching or reviewing my film. And, and, and that immediately makes me think, well, wow, you know, uh, you're closing yourself off to the possibility if the only films that you're watching and reviewing are from filmmakers that you en enjoy and, and, and that you have the same political views or, or life views in general. You know, for instance, Victor Sal uh, Salva, um, you know, who did a very terrible thing, uh, you know, uh, but he made at least one great movie, in my opinion, Jeepers Creeper, and, and who did his time, served his time, and, you know, is, is he going to be allowed to, to, to work, it, you know, and, and, and make films and push the boundaries 
And, you know, are artists going to be allowed to be artists? Because in that same sense, it's a constriction. And, and I think and for, for an artist to be able to be, be an artist fully, he must not be under any constraints. And, and of course, obviously, there's, there has to be some kind of constraints. You can't kill anybody or infringe on somebody's life and, and those kind of things. But I'm talking about the, the freedom to follow the medium which they're passionate about. Because if you, if you do that and you don't allow an artist to do that, then, I mean, you know, all the art out there is just confined. Exactly. And it's dangerous. Yeah, and I th- as far as like what you said with somebody refusing to see a movie because they have a different political opinion or whatever kind of opinion, I don't think you could really be a reviewer. At least I wouldn't trust somebody like that because, you know, then they're basically just judging it on if the per- if the film agrees with them. Like they're not really they don't want to be challenged on anything, and that that's just I can't see how somebody could really be a reviewer or really respect art in a way. Like I I watch a lot of movies with people who I disagree greatly with um politically you know and all sorts of are re- all sorts of ways but if they made a good film i'm gonna say they made a good film i mean i can't really i can't really um argue with that with um a good film if it's telling a story even if i greatly disagree with it i mean i i, I might point out like things that are wrong about but if they did a good job like i gotta i gotta acknowledge that plus like as far as like with content of people like killing or hurting each other. I mean, those are already laws, so I, I hear that as an argument. It's like, well, you wouldn't kill somebody on camera. Well, yes, murder is against the law, so no, that's already, like, that argument is so, um... It, it's not a real argument when people make. Like, I mean, it's not a legitimate argument to be made. Agreed. I don't If if, if we only reviewed peop, uh, movies that we enjoyed and that we agreed with people on, you know, all their stances and stuff, we, we wouldn't have seen half the movies that we've reviewed. Oh, yeah. And it wouldn't be half as much fun. I mean, that's that's part of the beauty of, of watching, you know, things that are shit or are terrible, is, you know, trying to find find the good in it, or, you know, pointing out the bad. And sometimes it's, it's great for a good laugh, and sometimes it just it lets you appreciate the good things or the things that you do enjoy. You know, you, you got to find the silver lining in everything. Exactly. And it's important for us to be having these conversations about pushing the boundaries and about being open-minded to everybody's content, despite their differences. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm the kind of guy that will sit and 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 watch my wife's uh, television because I, you know, I'm open to all this different content from. Things that I, I, I know I might not even enjoy. So I don't understand why somebody, why anybody would limit themselves to the art that, that they're going to be exposed to. And, you know, and, speaking of, like, the art you're exposed to, I, this year for the first, well, this past year for the first time, I actually worked at a haunted attraction. And um, one of the areas we had where I worked was a, uh, a carnival set up with some, some killer clowns and stuff. And they actually, one of the people who, you know, came to the attraction complained Complained. about, well, he he said, well, I'm not offended by it, but I'm sure somebody will be. There was, you know, the old school, um, like, carny posters, and one of them was the the boy who became girl, or it was the girl who became boy. 
and it was like the the half dressed, you know, dressed half as a man, half as a woman. And you know, the, this you know customer said he wasn't complaining about it, but he knows other people that would. And we're like, then don't you know? Don't look at it. Like it's it's part of the it's part of the background, and it's really like historically that was a big attraction for a lot of sideshows, and that's that's the atmosphere we're creating. You know, I myself, you know, I worked in the in the vampire section, and um, you know, of course, most haunted houses you're not allowed to touch people. No offensive language. That that's a great one. No offensive language, which is becoming like broader and broader. <laughs> what what is offensive? Though? You know, right, right. No, they want to do that too. They want to do that so that they control the kind of art that we create. You know, they don't want to say no profanity because we know what profanity is, right? You know, yeah. we know, or you know, no vulgar words. Or why don't you just, you know, tell us the words we can't use? You know, but they don't want to do that. They want to leave it open ended, so that. They are in control of, of what the content is, e, you know, and, and even at a haunted house, a haunted house is almost like a living piece of art, you know, exactly. each section is meticulous, meticulously picked out and, 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 you know, every angle and, and the lighting and the, the different effects and the props. I mean, it's so it's so important to get that overall feeling and, and that. For, for you for them to also limit your speech you know like you said what is offensive to one person is not offensive to another person well and then you know, you know? I, I had a lot of like because of the area and stuff and it's a haunted house so I had a lot of teens you know young teens and stuff come through and you know I I made up my own lines and I said stuff and you know if I would say some of the times when the kids would come through when I said you know girls and boys, Oh my god. I'm not a girl. I'm not blah, blah, blah. I'm a woman. I'm a Shut the fuck up, child. Okay? I'm more than twice your age. You know, I don't I don't care. Like, you know, some people do. They get they get really offended. And even like, you know, to use the word old, like some people get really offended if you call them old. Like, but you know, it's it's part of the experience. It's part of, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> One of the things that we were told, you know, if you can't make them scared, you know, make them laugh, make them cry, you know, elicit some sort of reaction. Just, you know, don't be offensive. And it's, you know, even just the, the makeup that I had done on me, you know, I know people who would find my makeup offensive because, you know, my, my skin was completely whited out. And, you know, just the amount of blood that was used, you know, people would find offensive, like... Even though I'm I'm a white man to begin with, like you know, I, I just know people that are like that and have met people that that are like that, and it's, to just try and not be offensive when you're in that kind of environment and you got people th coming through, swearing at you, you know, trying to take swings at you at times and everything else. It's like, you know, and and they're saying I'm not allowed to be offensive. Like, come on now. Yeah, I think a lot of it's like a in a lot of cases with like um, it's like a moral grandstanding. It's like somebody will watch a movie and be like, "Well, these words were offensive." It's like since when into who? It's like there's an arbitrary person who may have been offended. Like obviously there are some things that are like normally universally offensive, but it seems to expand a lot. It seems to be so that certain people can point to things, be like, "I'm morally better than you" because I wouldn't have done that. It's like yeah, because you just made the rules up, like 
arbitrarily. And you know, I um, I really have to bring up this movie. Um, have you ever seen Splatter Farm by the Polonia Brothers? I have not seen that film. Okay, now what would I what what is your? Oh, you probably won't care, but you know, to the normal person, what is your gen, what would be the general reaction if you said that movie has two rape scenes? I I mean, um, I isn't one enough? <laughs> okay, now if I explain to you in this movie, the rape scene is a man raping another man and a 70-year-old woman drugging and raping a young man what is what is the reaction then uh, it's different definitely 100% why it, i mean uh, and and it shouldn't be uh, because i because i guess it's the it's the normal societal uh, uh, thought process to immediately when you say the word rape immediately go to a man taking advantage of a woman usually much stronger forceful and that's something that's just been ingrained in us you know through society and through what they're telling us and 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 even in a court of law those two different instances that you just told me about would be treated differently than the instance that I'm talking about one you know strong man taking advantage of a smaller woman and 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 regardless of it being exactly the same crime that has been committed, and that's and, my, and that's go ahead. My uh, you know, I, my wife's friend. I was talking to about that because that was that was the first review poem I ever did. It was very early on in our careers, and I told her about you know our show and stuff because she's in media production, and um, she identifies as a feminist. And when I told her, I said, yeah, we uh, we joke about the rape scenes in this movie. And she goes, oh, that's terrible. You should never, never joke about that. That's that's horrible. And I explained to her that, you know, it's, you know, a, a, a man, you know, and another man and a 70 year old woman drugging and raping a, a, a young man. And she goes, oh, that's perfectly fine. You can joke about that all you want. And I was like, how how is that perfectly fine? But it's not fine. It's the <laughs> other way. And she's like, because they probably deserved it. And I'm like. Who deserves to be like who deserves that? Like in general, but, like, <laughs> like, like to me, you know, that's offensive to you. Say, oh well, they probably deserved it. Really? Like it's empowering. But then well, you know that goes to talk about that double standard that exists today, and you know, not just in life but also in films, and the constant um, victimization of of people that they take on that role of being a victim, and and I think. When, when people do that, and, and you know what? One of the important things about B-movies in general and horror films and, and indie films, you know, indie horror films specifically, is and something that we don't get enough credit for is that our women are strong. They're fierce. They are lions. They're usually, there's a reason why they call it the final girl, not the final guy. You know, and, 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 and I think when, when genres and when filmmakers and and when there's a movement like that it's it's not being uh put up on a pedestal and paid attention to enough when and and when they're not it is being paid attention to enough so all of the bad hits us in the face like oh you're horrible i can't believe you laugh at rape you know but but then when when we make a a, a powerful woman character you know, they don't say, oh, great job for that. We salute you. They just look past it and expect it. 
you know, and, and I, it's, it's just one of those things that uh, uh, upsets me so much. And we actually, we had a, we talked to somebody recently that said that that's why, you know, she's a big fan of the horror genre is because there are a lot of strong female characters. And it, it's true. And like you said, you know, most people will go, oh, well, you had, you had a strong female lead, but there was a, there was a scene where, uh, where there was nudity. So uh, it, it cancels out. It's not good enough. It's like a non-existing scale of like measuring whether or not it's moral enough for like, like these these they, people they have to find a reason for it to not be okay but i also notice a lot of the times the people that criticize these things they're not actually making content they're just looking for other content to tear down it's like basically trying to look superior to people that are doing anything rather than making your own thing and like dictating yeah. the terms that creators that you make under people don't understand uh, the kind of uh, hard work that it uh, takes to create content, you know, from from films to television to podcasts, you know, um, it's a long editing process, you know, it's a long listening process, even after these interviews are over, you sit and you listen and you go over every detail and you input these different sounds and you balance and you EQ everything out and then you go back and you edit and you insert all this music and people just don't understand all the time and all the effort and all the passion and love and significance that the this content means to every single one of us that is creating this stuff. And, and I think that's, in, you know, in, in order for us to be able to push the boundaries and to make people uncomfortable, it's important first to make them understand all the hard work that went into doing the things that we do. Exactly. One, the, the movie that has made me more uncomfortable than any other movie is probably Cannibal Holocaust. And it is a wonderful, beautiful movie. Everything just works so well for it. And that's actually one of the things that I love about it is it does manage to make me feel uncomfortable. And, you know, I've seen that movie three or four times, and there's other movies that I, I love and just give me this, you know, sense of joy and stuff. I've only watched them one time, you know, because, you know, you're, you're looking to elicit some sort of emotion. And I think that's, that's a lot of people's problems is, you know, they, they go into something and they, they want it to be joyful or they want it to elicit like positive emotions and they go and they, they feel something bad throughout it or something so they just they focus on that negative instead of you know anything positive so they they tell people oh it's it's too violent it's too it's too controversial as i love and i ask people you know why is this controversial oh, because it is because of the stuff in it well, well what stuff in it well you, you know the things that happen well that that doesn't explain it and i've run into that a lot with um with with people is why is why is this inappropriate or why is it controversial just because it's inappropriate well why B because the age well wh that doesn't make any sense you know age is just a number yeah. you know recently uh i had a screening of my film a few months ago and lorraine landon from the maniac cop series uh was sitting in and after about 15 minutes she walked out crying and was very very upset and and one of the things and and you know one of the stigmas i guess of the genre or just films in general is you don't do two things you don't kill children and you don't kill dogs or you know uh, animals um but for me uh one of the things we did right off the bat is we killed the kid 
in the film because I think it's important to be controversial. I think it's important to make people feel uncomfortable. In fact, when I want to elicit a response from somebody in my film, whether it be positive or negative, I want them to be uncomfortable. I, if they're feeling happy, I want them to look around and, and, and think, why am I feeling happy right now? If you know they're feeling sad or, or if they're disgusted, I want them to, to, to think, wow, you know, why am I, you know, I really want them to take that emotion in. And for me, feeling uncomfortable is the number one emotion that we all remember because it has to do with our uh, flight or fight tactics. Uh, you know, when we're in an uncomfortable position, we hardly return to those same uncomfortable positions. And, and, and I want that lasting impression, that memory of that uncomfortable moment to be in the audience's mind always. It's my number one go-to, 100%. Yeah. So why, why is it a rule that we don't kill children in these movies? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't understand it. You, I mean, maybe because they're defenseless. You're not supposed to, uh, you know... You know, dogs are defenseless. I don't know. Somehow it became I don't a taboo. Know. There's, I mean, there's, there's actually a movie from the 1970s. I believe it's an Italian movie called "Who Can Kill a Child," and it's, um, you know, it's, it's basically this town that, you know, the the children for some reason all turn on the adults, and this this couple ends up going there, and, you know, they meet a couple people from the town. And, you know, instead of defending themselves, the townspeople just literally let the kids kill them because they, they just can't do it. And it's it's another one of those, like, it's it's a really strong film. And they actually, they recently remade it. Um, and I can't remember what the remake was called, but it was funny because I was watching the remake, not realizing that it was the same movie. And about halfway through it, I was like, oh my god, this is Who Can Kill a Child? It's the same exact movie, they just changed the title of it. And remade it thirty years later. Yeah. Uh, don't you love that? People don't have any more original ideas. Happens way too often. Because I'm, I'm like, I swear I've seen this movie, and then like it just clicked, and I was like, I, I have because it's the same exact movie. Now, one thing I think about quite often is the relationship between content creator and the audience. It seems like people. Look, they'll watch like a movie or read a book, and they'll. Some people will get offended, saying, "Well, this person clearly the meaning behind this is such and such, and blah blah." But and I do think that, I think that there's a, it, there's kind of a give and take with it. Like obviously, the creator has to portray their their meaning in a coherent way, but it's also up to the audience to actually try to think and interpret things in a certain way, especially depending on the type of. Uh, the, mo the type of movie they're watching, but far too often I hear people, they'll have an interpretation of something, and that's the only one, and it, sometimes it's a completely insane interpretation, but they're blaming the creator. It's like, well, they should have been more clear with that. I'm like, well, maybe you should have thought about the movie a little bit more. Like, I feel like there's too much of a, of a pushback on content creators to be too to be too specific on things rather than on the um, audience to kind of look and pay attention to what they're watching. 
And it seems like lots of times some people will look for the most offensive interpretation of stuff just to be offended by it. And then they use the excuse, well, the creator should have been more clear. It's like, well, maybe you should have listened. Maybe you should have watched the movie instead of like looking for reasons to be offended. Well, and that's like the, uh, the panel way. Um, and a perfect example of that that I can think of is in Reservoir Dogs. When, when Spoiler alert, if you've never seen Reservoir Dogs in the t- 30 years it's been out, um, you know, Mr. Blonde goes to cut off the cop's ear. And you know, he, he takes, the, takes the, the razor and puts it up to his, the back of the guy's ear, and the camera pans away bec- to give you exactly what you said, Paul, for you to think of the most gruesome, the most offensive for your brain to do that um, because it's it's worse for your brain to think of that than anything they could show you. And uh, it, it really is true because there's a deleted scene on the, the DVD 10th anniversary edition um, that shows they actually did film a version of it where they show him cutting the guy's ear off. And, oh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it looked horrible. And, you know, you can just, your brain just automatically, I think we're wired as a society for you to automatically go to what's the worst possible um, outcome of this? What's What do I find the most offensive? You know, and I honestly think that, yeah, we're wired that way, and that's why people do that. Well, I think well, what I mean basically yeah, is... I, 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 go ahead. Uh, yeah, what I mean basically is there are so many different since everyone has a different viewpoint to a degree there are lots of different ways of looking at something so you can have an interpretation based on like let's say like um well there are actually classes i've seen in colleges where it's um, a marxist philosophy class and they'll take existing literature or films and view it through a marxist um, communist point of view but that's only one way of looking at it, and that's normally not the creator's way of looking at it, well, depending on the creator. But people will judge it ba- and criticize it based on a very specific philosophy that they're viewing it by. And I don't think that that falls completely on the creator. I think that there is a responsibility by the, by the audience to see where the, where, the, where the creator was coming from and not to view it just from your perspective or your particular biases and philosophies. Like, if you watch a film like a Korean film, obviously it's made in a different culture from one that, like, we're from, and we have to view it from that. Like, a lot of um, films I watch have a lot of Buddhist um, influence, and we have to, like, to not view it from that, to view it from, basically, from our, like, a certain bias that you're missing out on it, and then to, I find people blaming the creator for not thinking of that. It's like, well, why should they be responsible for thinking of how everybody would interpret it? I think that there's too much of a, um, a need to blame content creators for basically the laziness of not wanting to interpret things yourself. It's, it's very easy for someone that, that doesn't know the process or that doesn't create content themselves to be judgmental uh, uh, about content in general. But I think it is important, like you're saying, to look at the content from all different aspects and, and try, you know, try to understand maybe where the creator was coming from. And in, in this age, you know, in this damn age of technology where we obviously have... Um, a better relationship or at least 
uh, a better opportunity to have a one-on-one conversation with these creators, it's it's important, uh, you know, to establish that kind of conversation, you know, to because it is artistic interpretation, and in order for us to learn uh, about the content and and maybe get the message it's important to have conversations with the creators definitely that's one of the things that's great about our show is we get to talk to different um, content creators and have discussions and see what they what was what was their point of view while making a film and it's um learn a lot from it it's it's fantastic for for us it's always been uh to to be controversial to push the limits to do things that you know will make you flinch and um, make you want to throw up in your mouth, and uh, you know make you turn your face away because those to me are the really cringeworthy moments. That's when you've really affected somebody, you know. And um, we don't we personally in, in our first film we definitely didn't do it in a realistic tone we did it in a more satire comedic tone because we think that if if you do it in in the in the real form especially your first time around in the indie community um that maybe people people will be too too pushed away especially with today's society and political correctness being uh, so heavy in, in, in everybody's mind and, and on social media. So, we, you know, but, but still the most important thing to us is always to be controversial, to push the limits, to, to uh, make people feel uncomfortable. And if you are an artist and if you are uh, a creator of content, what's the point of painting by the numbers? If you're going to paint by the numbers, you might as well not do it. Because anybody can paint by the numbers. Anybody can follow a structure and a diagram and a program and a step-by-step. You know, it's, it's, it's when you do those things that haven't been done before and that are not generally accepted in society that you're able to grow and that you're able to learn and that you're able to express yourself truly uh, you know, without limitations. Exactly. What's the point of being a creator if you're not going to be creative? Yeah. That's one thing, um, even like with news and stuff like that, I, I love reading the, when I go on a website, I love reading the comment sections of things because you learn so much from just that. Like most news sources I find, a lot of them are really biased. They only tell you part of the story. But then you get to like the comment sections, and everyone's always getting mad. Oh, it's uh, all these trolls, and there there are legitimate like people that just want to troll people. But lots of times, I feel lumped into that are people who have dissenting opinions or different evidence and different um different sources, and be like, all right, well, what about this? And th- that's where like a like a lot of discussion comes. I mean, it's not exactly the most friendly half the time because people get super offended by things but it is fun to listen to watch and you do learn a lot like it's like okay i didn't i while reading this article i hadn't thought about that point of view but now somebody's pointing this out in the comments and i'm i'm kind of like i'm getting a bigger picture of like the whole story and i think that's i i as much as like everybody complains about 
like how hostile like you know YouTube comments are or like comments on certain things are that's where I find the most interesting uh, conversations come from yeah sometimes people take it too far and they should be called on it if they're actively like harassing people but I do find that even if people sometimes say things in a harsh way they're still saying something they're still making a point and sometimes those points are very in- interesting and, and really important and I, even even like not even news stories but you know just a, a personal experience you know yesterday there were a bunch of marches in women's marches in a whole bunch of cities across the nation and you know my wife saw it on the news and she posted on facebook oh i didn't know that there were these women marches you know no one is saying what these marches are for can anyone tell me and the first comment she got was and you know i don't know the person but she said uh, to my wife, how can you call yourself a woman and you don't know what these women marches are for? And like the next comment was, you know, somebody else that was, you know, oh, it's, you know, every city's doing them for different reasons, but it's, you know, this, this, and this. And if you need any other sources, please ask me. I can get them to you. And I was just like blown, blown away by the, the response of the first person that was, you know, because I, I think she was commenting on somebody else's that she knew, so it was like a third party that nobody knew. But oh, just, I hate that. What's just, the point? What's the point of even having friends on Facebook if your friends' friends can also comment on your on your posts? But just to be like, seriously, how, how can yeah, you call yourself a woman because so. you don't know why this woman thing is going on? It's just but, a power play. It's like you have to think this way because you're falling to this uh, group. It's like, and then like like you're saying, it's like, oh, like they get offended for asking a question. It's like, it's a whole, well, you need to educate yourself on this. Like, no, I asked you a question and you're making the point. If you're going to go march, you all, you should have a reason. It, when somebody asks you what you're representing, you should have a pretty good answer. Like, I, it's like putting that like burden of proof on other people. And then, you know, uh, on that, that that note, too, and, you know, looking at things from different perspectives, I went to Catholic school when growing up. And in fourth grade, our teacher read us a very controversial book before it was controversial. She read us Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. At a oh, Catholic wow. school, we heard, you know, she read chapter by chapter the whole book. We got, it, it was read to us. May as well have been Mein Kampf. Yeah, well, <laughs> might as well have been Mein Kampf. But, I mean, you know, was it offensive, it, especially to us young ones? No. And that's, that's another thing. Like, really, like, what is offensive really is it's conditioned into people by how they're brought up. I mean, you know, even me, you know, growing up as a Catholic, being a practicing Catholic, you know, I, I'm open to, to other people's ideas. I don't just, you know, go, oh, this, you know, this movie has, has murder or this movie has something. It's, it's offensive. I can't watch it. You know, oh, you, you eat meat on Fridays during Lent. How dare you? I, I, I can't associate myself with you. No way. I think it's no. important for us to be tolerant of each other. And, you know, because, it, you know, we, we, we have to be tolerant of, uh, the co- of content and tolerant of each other. Because if, you know, there's already so much intolerance going on in the world for good reasons. You know, and and so I think it's important for us to be tolerant and and not be intolerant for bad reasons. You know, and and I don't want to have the same kind of friends 
and who think like me or, or I don't want to be friends with all the different filmmakers who see things the, the same way I do because then I can't learn from their perspective and then I can't learn from their uh, culture and then I can't learn from just the way they go about doing things. I want to have uh, you know, friendships and, and loyalties with people from all different uh, walks of life. And in that way, I enrich my own life. And in that way, I enrich my own content and my own art. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not one of those type of people, you know, um, who, you know, uh, who thinks, oh, my, my content is so great. I mean, come on. I make indie B movies, horror slasher, satire, horror comedy films, you know, with lots of naked girls and lots of blood and lots of in-your-face gore. Best kind of film. You know, right. I mean, it's, you know, and, and we have fun and we're entertaining and, and we want these conversations to take place. And, and if we're not at least tolerant of each other, these conversations can't take place. And, and we don't learn from each other and we don't grow. And that would just be plain boring. Yeah, like why would you want to be friends with yourself? Like, like I'm, I'm yeah. sure if Paul and I had the exact same views and the exact same thoughts on stuff and b- same beliefs, we'd probably have killed each other by now doing this podcast. I mean, yeah, I tolerate that Corey's wrong about things. You know, and I just I, I've seen so many people um, that like have the exact same personality as each other, and like they do, they honestly hate each other, and and it's amazing because I look at you and I'm like. You two are the exact same person. You have the same personality traits, the same likes, the same interests, except each other. You love everything about you, but you hate it when it's in somebody else. And it's, it's kind of that, like, opposites attract kind of thing. And uh, I've, I've actually seen, like, violence come about from, from that, where people are just so similar. And it's, it boggles my mind. But that's what, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say that any two friends of mine are, like, the same in in very many ways. Well, going to the violence thing, um, I've noticed a lot of people when they find something offensive or like off limits, it gives a lot. It gives certain people like I don't want to say like I don't know how big of a group it is, but there are people that take that as well. It's okay now for me to strike back and be like sometimes violent. Like you see, like a lot of the um, protests going on after the um, after the election, after the um, inauguration, where some people were just nuts about it, where it's like, all right, well, I disagree with this, you know, this is um, offensive, like, somehow they think that's also an attack on them, and then they think it's okay to act violent in retaliation, it's like, no, there's a perceived violence against you that you're now justified to use, to put your own violence on it, and it's very weird, it's like, people are fighting this, fighting this noble fight that doesn't really exist against an oppressor that's not really there. It's it's very weird. Oppression. What is oppression? You know, I'll tell you, you know, what's oppression is when, uh, you know, uh, people were black marketed in, in Hollywood for being Jewish, you know, and what's oppression is when people were black marketed in Major League Baseball for being African-American, you know, that's oppression, you know. I mean, uh, there's oppression going on all over the world that's much worse than any perceived oppression that's going on in the United States right now. And especially when when creating content, the opportunity is there. There's not a whole lot of, uh, 
you know, people stopping you from creating your own content. You can go out, film something, record something, upload it on the internet, and put it out in like less than a day. And no, you know, I, I mean, unless you're using some copyright material, no one's going to subject your content, and no one's going to say, hey, you know, obviously, you know, there's certain things that you can put in certain places, but there's always a digital platform where you can put your content on where it is not restricted in any way. And I think in order for us to continue to grow, we just need that availability, you know, and the society, we as people right now, this conversation, the, the movie B bros, you know, and, and myself, this conversation, these are the conversations that are going to push that limit, you know, that are going to get people thinking and talking you know, be, because why is all this uh, fighting going around? You know, for people people have always had different points of views. That's not going to change. But it should mean that we can't sit down and share a beer together and watch a movie. Damn. Exactly. And then I, I really just want to talk about real quick the uh, the evolution of controversy in in TV. Um, you know, harking back to uh, NYPD Blue and the first time that shit was said on network television and then you you just look at you know from that in the the early to mid 90s to today the yeah, walking everything dead, smashing the heads yeah the walking dead, um, breaking bad it's always sunny in philadelphia just there are so many shows out there where, where all this stuff is just accepted now but then you go back in time and you look at a show like the monsters and I do have to quote, because this is one of my favorite, like, I just, I laugh because it's it's the time period um, where Herman Munster got a detective kit, and it came from Tijuana, Mexico. And Grandpa Munster goes, that's my son-in-law, the wetback detective. And I'm just like, you know, wow. you can say shit, you can say fuck in some instances, you can bash somebody's brains in, but heaven forbid today... You use a term like that, and your show gets canceled immediately. But fucking 50 years ago, you could say stuff like that, but you couldn't curse. You couldn't be seen in the same bed as someone from the opposite gender and all this other stuff. And it's just, it, 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 it kind of breaks my heart to think that, like, censorship really has changed and evolved. And, you know, for as much content as they say that they are, allowing now there's that much more content that they've also cut away and they don't let on the air anymore yeah well that reminds me of in a south park there was um years ago there's an episode where they had the super best friends of all these religious characters who were superheroes and they showed muhammad there he had like magical fire breath or something well pre um a couple years ago they they had another episode. It was the Mohammed episode, and they weren't allowed to show it. I'm like, it's weird that within a few years that became such a um, such a taboo in our culture. Where I know it was always taboo in um, Muslim culture, but it's just weird that that kind of changed so much. Like no one really even thought about it back then. But it's now, fear. It's like, yeah, it's it's fear is what it is. And and you know what, the people like us changed it. 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 30 years ago and 40 years ago. The reason things are the way they are now is because people like us who consistently push the boundaries 
of being comfortable in the boundaries of what is and isn't, uh, you know, uh, good to put on television or too violent or, or too grotesque, you know. And if people like us stop what we're doing today, if we don't continue to push those kind of boundaries, then we're not going to get to where we are now compared to where we were then. I, I mean, and, and in that sense, also, just think about 30 years ago or 40 years ago because of all the things that they could not do. Think about the limiting content that people were creating. Think about how much better the films and, and, and the TV and the music could have been with uh, a less restrictive society deciding what they could and could not create. Exactly. And you look at like a lot of films that are on the um, like the AFI 100. A lot of them are films that were became popular because they did push those envelopes. Like um, they basically made films in ways and showed content that a lot of people didn't weren't used to or wasn't really accepted. And it's like people see that and it's like, wow, this is a film can be so much more than what we what we realize. Well, mark my words, they're not going to be able to control us very much longer. The Internet's only going to grow bigger. Technology's only going to get greater. We're going to be able to immediately upload even faster than we do today. The, the, con the content of tomorrow is like the Periscopes and the Facebook Live and these things where you can imagine creating the content live as if it was produced for television or film. That, you know, eventually I think that is what it's going to turn into. A creative process of individuals all over the world consistently creating new content on the spot, live, so quickly because they're so used to the ever-growing popularity of technology and new content. I mean, in this age, if you don't have new content every week on your page or, you know, every month, if you don't have consistent new content then you will go nowhere. Consistency of content is the number one most important factor in becoming successful in this business or any other business. Period. Definitely. And it's interesting, like, you, like you're saying with um, things getting faster, like cable and even like going out to the movies, like to a movie theater, those things are kind of starting to die off. Like it's being replaced with streaming and things that are so much faster because they're not really restricted by so many of the, um, of the restrictions that Hollywood has and things like that. They're not as, well, yeah, they're basically free to do what they want and they're not really as conceited in a lot of ways. Like um, you look at most, you look at so much, of, so much of Hollywood and they're like, they'll literally talk down to you and I think people are getting tired of that, and they're like, why are these people celebrities? It's because we allow them to. Well, you take away the power from that, and you basically take away who, take away their uh, status. Well, it's, it's also, we are a convenience society. Is it convenient to me? And, you know, that's why, like you said, the movie theaters are, are starting to die out. I'm seeing less and less. We don't see, we have two drive, we had two drive-ins around here. Now we're down to one. Um... You know, you see a lot more streaming. You know, video rental stores are, are all but gone. You know, you've got the red box things, which even those I don't think are doing that well anymore because prices on that keep going up. And, um, yeah, why? Know, when you can just download it. You can just uh, download we it. We are living in the United States. We want immediate gratification right now. We don't want to wait. 
And you know what? As soon as you give me the content right away, you know, you can play it in the theater fine. But play it at my house at the same time, I'll pay for it. And that's the thing, too. You know, it's it's going to cost you money to go to the store, rent your Redbox thing, drive home, and then return it later where you could stream it. Okay, it's going to cost you 4 bucks to stream it, but the time and the gas and the price of the movie and heaven forbid you don't watch and return that red box movie that same that that you know the next day you know you're already looking at more money than than just streaming it or renting it on your own and it's the same thing with you know shopping malls going that that way too you know it, it, they're going away because you've got the instant gratification of online shopping you can pull things up you can compare prices you can search for exactly what you want and Oh, five bucks, it'll come straight to my door. Or, you know, if you have Amazon Prime or a, a silver member on Best Buy. or there, I mean, there's so many websites and, and stores that have those special memberships. You get free shipping. Why not? Why would I go to the store and buy it when, yeah, I got to wait two days for it. But, uh, you know, I can buy it now. And, you know, I don't have to spend that time to go and do it myself. Well, that's why podcasts are becoming so uh, important, too, so popular, because nobody wants to be forced to have to sit during something at a specific time. They want to be able to pick it up when it's convenient for them. Like you were saying, it's all about convenience. And, you know, uh, I know they say that land is one of those things that it's one of those resources that eventually will run out. And it's so important. But I'll tell you what's the most important resource. Time. We don't have enough. 24 hours is not enough time in the day for me to accomplish everything that I need to accomplish in the day as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, as someone who's a, a, a content creator. 24 hours just isn't enough time. And, and because of that, I have to make time to do certain things and I don't want to wait. I don't want to be forced to be restricted. I want to be able to go and get the podcast and listen to it whenever I want. I want to be able to go and download the movie and watch it immediately whenever I want. And I think that is why pirating is such a big deal still today. As soon as you allow people the opportunity to get the content legally at the higher quality immediately, then you will see a major drop in pirating. That, that is something that I, I feel strongly about. Oh yeah. Now there's so many like streaming websites like for even just for specific genres for um just all sorts of like specific uh types of types of uh movies and it's gotten so big because really no one wants to like wait around to like we were saying going to the movie theater. You have to drive all the way there. You have to waste all your time. It's like no, I'd like to be able to if I if I'm bored of a movie or I don't I decide I don't like it part way through. I'm going to stop watching. And otherwise, I'll have to walk out of a theater, and it's really inconvenient. Heaven, heaven like, forbid, I have to pee during the middle of the movie at the theater. Yeah, it's like then you miss like um, like sometimes vital like plot points and things like that. It's like everything's a lot easier, and as you see, like it's also really kind of it's taking away a lot of power from like cable companies and things like that, and movie theaters because for a while they had the monopoly on it like you had to get cable if you wanted to watch anything then the internet came along and streaming came along and now it's really forcing those guys to really like um 
three, to change their business models in a lot of ways. And take away some of their boundaries. Yeah. And well, I think that's why we see some more content on TV now. What a lot of them are doing. What a lot of them are doing now is they're getting, like, pissed. Like, they'll, like, talk badly on, like, YouTubers and, like, um, even indie filmmakers. It's like, oh, it's all, this is all shit. It's like, no, it's just, you're mad because people don't want to, like, spend so much money on your content. And that's why no one's watching TV anymore. So. Well, guys, uh, I really appreciate the talk, but I I, uh, I just got to set, and um, you know I, I'm running a little late now. I told them four four o'clock, and uh, I, I want to make sure that you know when, when you're working on an indie film, and you know Sunday even, you know I'm a I'm a huge uh, Green Bay Packers fan, and I'm missing the game now even because uh, I'm at, I'm going to this film. We're working on our next film, Gorehammer. And uh, I really want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to come and discuss these things with you. And I'd love to do it again in the future. I'm always available to you guys. It's all, all about, um, you know, learning from each other and having these conversations and supporting each other's content and work and, and being creative together with new people that you've never had the opportunity to speak to. And uh, I want to, you know, really thank you uh, for giving me the opportunity to do that. Thank you for being on with us, Jason. It's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot. It's um, yeah. Before you go, real quick, do you just want to tell people where they can follow you or hear more from you? Sure. Um, you can check us out EasterSundayMovie.com on Facebook. The Easter Sunday Movie, starring Robert Zadar and Ari Lehman, um, and myself, and, and uh, it's it's coming out March fourteenth. You can pre-order it right now on Amazon. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of us filmmakers coming together and creating this content and really being passionate about everything that we're doing. You can follow me on Twitter at Generation, J-S-I-N. And uh, I, I look forward to listening to, you know, continuing to listening to your guys' work and listening to this episode and, and hopefully having conversations with people who may agree with us or disagree with us and continuing this uh you know, constant growth of independent filmmakers, you know, coming together and, and, and just uh, creating content um, and exposing ourselves really for the world to see. Definitely, and we would love to have you on again. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, and farewell. Get on the next